Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It is Friday. Let's make it February 23rd. So glad that you have joined us for this last round of our pastoral devotionals for this week. We're making our way through Matthew's gospel, and we have been camping out in Matthew 16, verses 21 through 28. So let me read those just briefly, touch on where we've been, and then bring this round of our devotionals to a close. Verse 21, chapter 16, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from me, from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan, you are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So we said at the beginning of the week that really the central message of this portion of Matthew um, relates to the the identification of the mission of the Messiah. Now, right before this, we had a glimpse into Peter's revelation and the disciples' revelation about the identity of the Messiah, that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But as we've seen in this passage, even though they had clarity about Jesus's identity, they did not have clarity about his mission. And Jesus is keen here in this passage to communicate that far from a conquering king um, who has come to fix political and physical problems, Jesus um, has come to die. It is necessary that he must die. It says he must die um, because this was in the divine plan of God. This was the way that sins were going to be paid for for um, for Jesus to serve as a sacrifice for our sins. And he says, because of this, this has a carryover effect. This has a, um, this makes a claim, this path of suffering and death for the disciples of Jesus, for us, because this means we follow with Christ in his sufferings. We are, um, in, in essence, following him on this march to death. Um, a, a cross that we are called to bear that has both physical, spiritual um, ramifications to it. And so this is where we kind of left off last time. Now, here, what Jesus wants to do in these final two or three verses is to punctuate this, to accent this, to communicate a sense of urgency about uh, or for the listener to decide, will he attach himself to Jesus or not? Upon hearing this truth and advertising, this warning label about what it means to follow Jesus, Jesus sort of ends with this, um, this, this emphasis on why 
we cannot wait to make a decision, why it is of the utmost urgency for us to attach ourselves to Jesus. So look back at the text. Um, Jesus says, first of all, in verse 26, what will it profit a man if he gains the world, whole world and forfeits his soul? And again, this that's just sort of the, the emphasize, again, the nature of Jesus's mission, as paradoxical it is, is that he came to die, he came to suffer in order for us to have life and to have eternal joy. That by giving up his life, we have life. And by giving up our life, we have life, okay? So, so, so that's what 26 says. Now, now, 27 and 28, there is no shortage of discussion about what Jesus means here, okay? And he seems to end with this admonition about what's at stake ultimately in whether we attach ourselves to Jesus or not. Look at verse 27. For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. I think Jesus here is referring, of course, to the final judgment. He's, he's referring to um, that time, that eschatological time in the future when Jesus will return to judge the living and the dead, where he will render his final verdict, where he will um, render to those who have been faithful a, a, an eternal reward and to those who have not been faithful um, an everlasting judgment, okay? I think that's that seems to be the point of emphasis there in 27. Now, 28, though, um, casts a particular sort of um, shadow on that interpretation, or at least it's possible, because Jesus then says something pretty, pretty, pretty shocking. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, what in the world does that mean? Jesus says, first in 27, I'm going to come and I'm going to judge. And I'm going to execute judgment on those who know me versus those who do not. But in 28, he says that this coming of the kingdom is actually going to take place, at least in part, while some of these disciples are still alive. Now, Again, much speculation as to what this could mean. Some would say, well, what he's speaking of here is the judgment on the city of Jerusalem. Uh, we know that there were some apostles who had been martyred by that point, 70 AD, others who hadn't, but that Jesus was going to come uh, with his angels and destroy Jerusalem and the temple as sort of this final judgment against the people of Israel for rejecting their Messiah. That, that, that's one option. Some would look at this as um, Jesus referring to his transfiguration. So what we're going to see next week in our passage is Jesus um, being glorified by his Father. And it is here that we get a sneak preview into the, the power and majesty of the glorified Jesus. And this is going to be something that only three of the disciples witnessed, Peter, James, and John, and they, didn't, they were instructed not to tell anybody until after Jesus had rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. So, so that's a possibility. And finally, a, a third possibility um, is that 
what Jesus is referring to here is sort of what we would kind of call the totality of his post-resurrection um, authority. Because remember, when Jesus rose from the grave, he lived in a glorified body. Um, he was now um, in a glorified state. He appeared, he disappeared. He, he was acting in accordance with his omniscience and omnipresence. We also know that when he ascended into heaven, um, he ascended by remind, and he reminded the apostles right before this that all authority had been given to him um, to send out these apostles to be his witnesses on earth. So, so these are some of the possibilities. Um, now, personally, I think all of these in some way could, could be in view, okay? And, and, and here's what I mean. And again, this is, this is just my personal take. So, so verse 27, I do think, speaks of the final judgment, okay? The Son of Man comes. Verse 28, um, I think, alludes to the fact that before that final time of judgment, before that final time of consummation where Jesus will judge the living and dead, there are going to be subsequent judgments. There are going to be, shall we say, tremors or um, aftershocks or warning signs or precursors to this final judgment by virtue of the fact that Jesus is now ruling with authority. Okay, So this is where we have to understand the already and not yet of the kingdom. So there will be a day Jesus will rule the new heavens and the new earth unhindered. There'll be no sin. There'll be no rebellion. Um, but until that time, he's ruling. Okay. So he's, so there's, there's, there's the already, but there's the not yet, which awaits the final culmination when all evil and sin will be eradicated. But between now and then living in that tension, right? That in between time, we're going to see this constant ebb and flow where Jesus is going to be, he is, he is ruling, he is reigning, and we proclaim him as such, while at the same time issuing warning, right? Um, calling to people to repent, to turn to Jesus, to, 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 to tell them that um, if they don't respond to this gracious invitation of Jesus while they are alive, it's going to be too late. Um, so in that sense, we do see death as a judgment now. We do see Jesus continuing to intervene in human history. Um, and whether it's suffering or sin or natural catastrophes or wars or natural disasters, all of these things are just precursors. They're, they're judgments, but they're judgments little j. They're precursors to the ultimate judgment that's coming. And as such, they are meant to be warning signs for us. And so as we go into the world, as we are disciples of our master, we are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. We are also doing it with a, with a truth and advertising, a, a, a warning label, right? That to call upon Jesus is not, he's not simply one more choice on the postmodern smorgasbord of spiritualities. He is the king of kings and the Lord of Lords. And so whether he's being transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew 17, whether he's on the Mount of Olives in declaring his authority, whether he's coming back and judging Jerusalem, uh, whatever the case may be, 
we're given these constant reminders that Jesus is Lord and King and that we are called to repent and come to him before it is too late. And it is to this, I think, that verses 27 and 28 are referring. Now, let me just say this. I could be, could be off on this, right? Um, that Jesus could be referring to a specific scenario in 28, okay? And if you press me to say that, I, I think it would either be the transfiguration or his post-resurrection appearances where he ascended into heaven and gave the authority to the apostles. But I, but I, think, I tend to think that all of these things in some way or another are an echo downstream of what Jesus says here. What, what's the point for, for us in all of this? There is an urgency um, about the way we respond to Jesus. There's an urgency about the need to heed who he is. There's an urgency to decide whether we're going to attach ourselves to his mission or not. And there will be a cost. There will absolutely be a cost. It will cost us our life. But it will gain us something that no one can ever take away. And that's Jesus himself in his eternal rule and kingdom. All right, that's it. Next week, we'll be into the transfiguration and that will be an awesome passage for us to dig into together. Otherwise, let me pray. Lord, go with us this weekend um, and continually remind us of the urgency of responding to the Son of Man, that he has come to lay his life down for us, and that while we still have breath, we cling to him. But Lord, there'll be a time when we're not able to do that. There'll be a time um, when the window for, or the chance for repentance is, is gone. And so Lord, we do wanna bring the utmost spiritual urgency to considering who you are and trusting in you. Lord, thank you for this time in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks everybody for joining us this week. We'll see you on Monday.